It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley. We welcome you to our Thursday Hacksaw's Headlines podcast from our Dixieline Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego, headed towards a great sports weekend. We have a ton of topics to talk about before we get to that. Want to remind you, our podcast is brought to you by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center. Nine locations to serve you in San Diego County. You got projects inside, projects outside, including windows and doors. You should talk to them, your best friend, Dixieline Lumber. And by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. We're all going to need help with our eyes as we grow older. From vision tests to surgical procedures, you need advice get examinations, you need North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. John Riley, can you top what we have seen in the (laughs) NFL playoffs? Because we're going to try this as we go towards this great sports weekend. This is going to be fascinating. First things first, Fans Forum. For everybody joining us early on the live stream, how does Fans Forum work? How do the people on live stream become part of our team? All right, yeah, you can get involved. You've got a question or comment for Lee. If you've got you know, thoughts about these uh, AFC-NFC championship games, whatever you're thinking about in the world of sports, just type in your question or comment in the live chat on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum. And when we're done with our live stream podcast, we invite you to go to my website to register. We want you to join us on our Hacksaw's Insiders Group. John? Yeah, the Insiders Group, man. I mean, get involved. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Go to that orange box in the upper right area. Put in your name, your email. Get on the list, man. I just sent out the best 15 minutes of sports. Lee's total breakdown of what's going on. I mean, this it's an amazing email. Uh, plus a lot of other great content coming your way in 2024. Sign and, up. And a reminder, we want you to share. Tell everybody what we're doing. Have them join us on the live stream and on my website. And we want you to subscribe. Because the minute we put something up on that website... On YouTube channel, bingo, you get notification. John, we got football, and we got football, and we got football. Wow, what a great weekend we have. A ton. I mean, we got some big games. I know you're wearing the Chargers sweatshirt. We're going to get to that. But let's go to the big games first. AFC Championship weekend, I call it big boy football. We got Kansas City. We got Baltimore. Matchups everywhere that you want to pay attention to. First things first, Andy Reid. He's 24-16 and as a head coach in the playoffs. Great coaches struggle to have 500 records in postseason play. Andy Reid is 24-16. and John Harbaugh, who I think is one of the great unranked head coaches in the NFL, he's 12-9 and in the playoffs. In 16 years in Baltimore, Harbaugh has had only two losing seasons. So you got the coaching matchup. All the great things Andy Reid designs offensively versus John Harbaugh's defense, and we know how good they are. Then we got the quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is now 13-3 and in the playoffs. He's got that monkey off his back when the big question, will he ever win a road playoff game? He did last week. In fact, Mahomes is 33-12 and on the road in his NFL career. And his Hall of Fame credentials... His career record is 87-25, and which is unbelievable. 
Last five games, Kansas City's red hot. Mahomes, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, one sack in his last five games. And how about this? In his last 177 pass attempts, he's been sacked only one time. Wow. Mahomes, 5,100 all-purpose yards, 31 touchdowns on the season. So that's a Kansas City quarterback. And then there's Lamar Jackson, being Lamar, 61-20 and 20 in his career. He won a playoff game. He's only 2-3 and three in postseason play. Jackson, Ravens have won 12, uh, seven in a row. And in that seven-game winning streak, 16 touchdowns and two picks. Wow. He's playing at peak efficiency. And, of course, Lamar has over 4,700 all-purpose yards and has accounted for 29 touchdowns. And then there's the matchups of the receivers. Travis Kelsey's got 105 catches right now. Rashi Rice is just rolling the second half of the season. He's got 96 receptions. Baltimore's top four receivers, because Lamar spreads it all over the place, his top four guys have 217 receptions. And now he gets Mark Andrews, the Pro Bowl tight end, back on the active roster, and he will play likely this weekend. And then there's the matchup of the defenses. Ravens defense, in this day of everybody's got Guys throwing the ball down the field. Ravens defense has allowed 24 touchdowns in 16 games. Wow. Think about that. Wow. That's less than two touchdowns per game in the NFL. That's incredible. Ravens 65 sacks, 31 takeaways. Kansas City's defense is pretty good, pretty athletic. They got 61 sacks on the season. So we got big boy football, AFC. Which matchup do you like? Coaches, quarterbacks, receivers, Defenses. Yeah, like you say, there's matchups everywhere. I want to go back to that Andy Reid stat. Was it 24 and 16 in postseason play? 24 and 16 in playoffs. And of course, the Super Bowl wins. His career record is 282 and 150. So that means he has been a head coach taking a team to the NFL playoffs probably for 20 seasons, right? Eagle, Eagles, Kansas City. Yeah, so that adds up to about 20. That's incredible. What a run he's having. You know what? I, I look at this game and, you know, everyone's saying this is Lamar. This is the Ravens. They're the top of the league. But, you know, Andy Reid and Mahomes, I mean, they're crafty. They've, they're they going to figure out a way. I, I say the Chiefs go into Baltimore and ambush them. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Wow. Uh, I don't know. Baltimore wouldn't agree with you. Baltimore's mm-hmm. fans wouldn't agree with you. But this is going to be a matchup for the ages. It's, I don't know if the, if the correct word is classic, but that we got spectacular people at each of the areas that we've kind of previewed with the matchups. So, so you're picking Kansas City just because you like to be ornery. <laughs> I, I just think Baltimore at home and that Baltimore defense just makes it so hard on you to get down the field and get things accomplished. I'll I'll take the guys. We're in purple. Well, do you think Jim Harbaugh is going to be at the game? I don't know. He's probably <laughs> going to lock himself in an office and try to put together the rest of his coaching staff. We'll talk about that topic in a minute. All right. Next game. Okay, yeah, Niners and Lions. This is going to be a fun one. I mean, the Lions have been so desperate for so long. <laughs> Big boy football, no place for the timid this weekend. My offense versus your defense. That's a good headline you got there, John. First of all, the coaches. Kyle Shanahan, 71-54. and 54. Kyle Shanahan is 7-3 and three in postseason play. Now, Dan Campbell's gotten to postseason for the first time with the Detroit Lions. But I'll tell you what, the words I use to describe Dan Campbell and everything Detroit Lion football, passion play. Passion play on offense, passion play on defense, just street tough football. So that's going to be fascinating. The quarterbacks, Jared Goff, 33 touchdowns on the season. Uh, Goff has won five of his last six, and in that six-game spell, 
most important part of the season where they had to win these games, 12 touchdowns and two picks. Brock Purdy, overall, last guy on the draft. He's 17-4 and four as a starter now. He's 3-1 and one in the playoffs. Purdy's got almost 4,300 yards passing this year, 31 touchdowns. He's been hot. Last nine games, 20 touchdowns and only six picks. Mm. So the stage is not too big for Brock Purdy. And then you got all the skill guys around the two-star quarterbacks. Amon St. Brown, 119 catches. I mean, he wasn't a stud superstar at USC. 119 receptions this season. Rookie tight end Sam Laporte's got 86 catches. The running backs have combined for over 2,000 yards collectively now in Detroit. And then there's Christian McCaffrey, 2,033 all-purpose yards on the season, 21 touchdowns. And those wide receivers and tight ends in Frisco, they're averaging 13 yards per catch. This this is going to be a great game. All things 49er offense against the street-tough Lion defense, the diversity of the Detroit offense against a bunch of muggers that San Francisco's got on their defensive front seven, led by Fred Warner. All right, pick them, pal. Pick them, pal. <laughs> I, you know, I think it, the Detroit Lions have got to be like America's team yeah. going into this thing. 49 of the 50 states are going to be rooting for Detroit. The Niners are my childhood team, so I'm always going to have that connection. But I just can't see them losing. I mean, they're just too tough, too strong, too experienced. What's happening with Debo? Is he going to play? Uh, minimal practice. I'm sure it's going to be a game-time decision. But they, the good news was on Monday they did the MRI. There was no minute fracture, which they really were worried about because it would have been the second time he had done this injury. So I think he's going to play. Now, whether he's heavy-duty or whether he's a decoy or whether he'll be a part-time contributor, I think Debo will be on the field. I just think San Francisco's just got too many bullets in the gun. Big time. Yeah, they're they're just loaded. So, you know, I'm I'm picking now a Kansas City 49er rematch. Well, you think it's going to be a Kansas City-Baltimore rematch. <laughs> and you'll be paying off that bet. Coffee, <laughs> cream, and Danish, please. Okay. All right, we go from that to what's happening closer to home. Yeah, the, the big news with you. You're wearing the Charger sweatshirt. you got to break it down, Lee. Well, they got it done. Stunned me that they got it done because we know the history of chargering. They got it done. Chargers hire Jim Harbaugh. The alleged first family of football hires the realistic coach who's part of the real first family of football, Team Harbaugh. Good call. You got John in Baltimore, Jim in the NFL. The father, of course, was a really fine collegiate coach. So they won the bidding war. I think they got scared because Atlanta had scheduled Jim Harbaugh to go back in for a second meeting. Harbaugh came back into L.A. for a second meeting. They never let him leave. It's going to be interesting when we get to the specifics of the contract because the NFL people I network with have given me all kinds of angles to the story. It's evident that they, they finally paid the price, 12 to $15 million per season for Harbaugh. It's evident that Harbaugh won the argument, I'm your head coach. I want to hire my staff, mm. which means Kellen Moore probably is gone. Means the defensive staff is likely gone because I'm led to believe Harbaugh is bringing in a chunk of his Michigan staff led by his defensive coordinator. So that'll be fascinating to see the specifics of what he's bringing in. Then the added part 
was the reality that he wanted permission to bring some of his player personnel, people that he knows from the NFL, and put them in the front office to answer to him. I don't know where this puts John Spanos on the hierarchy list, organizational chart, etc., but they got the guy. He brings firepower, personality, discipline, roster builder, builds toughness. All things that were lacking with Chargers football in the recent group of coaches they had in Los Angeles. So I was surprised that they decided to do it. The intangible, I was told from somebody with league ties that I trust that Roger Goodell told Dean Spanos, you're in the second market in the country. We work this deal to allow you to go into the second market of the country. You hire a name coach. We're tired of what Charger football has become, <laughs> how it's viewed. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that was the direct language that was used, but the message was delivered. You have a responsibility to run this thing correctly because we help you get into that marketplace. So Spanos caved. Spanos got bullied. Spanos got intimidated. Spanos had to do this because they were borderline irrelevant in the L.A. market. Mm-hmm. Now, Harbaugh's there. We know the track record. We know what's on the back of his football card, right, in terms of success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stanford, San Francisco 49ers, Michigan. But he walks in the front door. This job is not easy. He inherits the quarterback, Justin Herbert. They have 40 to $60 million above the salary cap. The roster that he inherits right now probably won't be there when training camp opens because they're going to have to make some really tough decisions. And those tough decisions might be Mike Williams, might be Joey Bosa, probably will be Austin Eckler. they got to find a way to get below the salary cap, and they can't do it if they retain all these high-priced guys. So he's going to have lots of holes in the roster with very little cap space. Granted, he does have a very high draft pick, fifth pick in the first round, fifth pick in the second round. So what he gets coming in the front door is Justin Herbert, but a lot of other problems that he's going to solve. So there there we are. The Chargers finally won something. They won the right to get a credible coach. And they got a clear space, let him run the football program that he wants to build the way he has built it rather than whatever they practiced in the past. So I'm fascinated. Uh, I, I think it's it's great for the Chargers team. I don't give a crap about the owner. Uh, but Harbaugh will help Justin Herbert maybe be a 17-0 and quarterback, even though most of us root for Spanos to be an 0-17 <laughs> owner. Hi, yeah. John. Uh, I'm stepping off the podium. The podium is yours. You tell the people on live stream your reaction to the hiring of Jim Harbaugh. Well, I just can't believe they did it. I mean, after all of their history of completely screwing things up, they finally stepped up to the plate and hit it. You know, And this whole notion of Roger Goodell kind of putting the squeeze on Dean Spanos, well, damn right. I mean, yeah, you're in L.A. You need to be relevant and 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 they're not just irrelevant in LA they're like a laughing stock in LA so now they've got a legit coach now maybe things start to come together for them but that curse that hex is still over this team you know so you know something still might not go right but 
you know, I'm just looking back and saying, well, damn, you know, they did it. They did the right. They made the right move. So now let's see how they perform. Okay. And the dominoes around the National Football League, bingo, have just started to fall at very, very quick pace. So before we jump to the next topic on the table, you're an NFL fan. You need to join us in the fans forum. Tell us what you think about the AFC NFC championship game. You're an NFL fan. A Charger fan, a deposed Charger fan, <laughs> follower, hater, jump on the fans forum. Tell us your reaction to the hiring of Harbaugh. Does this change everything? Does it make you a fan again? Or doesn't it matter because you dislike ownership? So we got all that. Let's talk about the coaching carousel. Yeah, the co- coaching carousel. There's a lot of, you know, teams are still hunting. Some guys have filled their, their spots. Yeah, it's happened really quickly. Chargers get Harbaugh. We have addressed that. Tennessee, and this was a bit of a surprise, they hire Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator, Cincinnati Bengals. History of working with young quarterbacks, bunch of different places. Prime example of his impact in young quarterbacks is how they groomed and grew Joe Burrow, and then how they groomed Jake Browning when Burrow went down with a major injury, and you saw how Browning nearly led Cincinnati back into the playoffs. So Brian Callahan goes to Tennessee, and he walks in the front door. He's already got a quarterback in Will Lovis from Kentucky that I think is the guy. Now they got to make a decision as to what they're doing dollar-wise with Derrick Henry, what they're going to do with DeAndre Hopkins. They still have a good defensive front, so it's not like the cover's completely bare. But his track record with young quarterbacks is the reason I think Brian Callahan is there. In Washington, I've been told they've offered Ben Johnson, the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, the head coaching job. Now, I I kind of found that really weird in that they don't have a quarterback in Washington. Now, granted, they do have a very high draft pick. Mm -hmm. So maybe the theory is, Ben, this is your area of expertise. You go into the draft and you go get us the right quarterback, whether it's Caleb Williams or whether it's somebody else. Now, he hasn't been hired yet, and he can't be hired until the weekend is over. That's what I hear, although there's also a rumor that they might be back in the marketplace going for second interviews with a few other people. But I think Ben Johnson's going to be the guy. Uh, In Seattle, Dan Quinn is there at this hour, second interview Dallas Cowboys. Oh, wow. Now, there are a lot of emotional ties. Dan Quinn worked for Pete Carroll in Seattle. Mm. Dan did a great job with the Seahawks, Legion of Doom, one up going to Atlanta, had a winning record in Atlanta, but got bounced, wound up resurfacing, reinventing himself with a pretty good Dallas Cowboy team. Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, uh, is also there. It, so in all honesty, it might be one of those two guys. And then there's Carolina. And this is this is kind of a, a really interesting story. They had set up a second interview uh, with Mike Vrabel. To bring him back. And all of a sudden, Vrabel seems to be on the outs and has not been hired uh, anywhere. So I thought that he was going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden, just before, I'm just checking my notes here, doubly make sure I get this correct. Just before I came on the air, Carolina has just hired Dave Canale, Hmm. offensive coordinator, Tampa Bay. Had been there only one year and did mystical things with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And Dave has been hired. While Vrabel supposedly was on his way back to Charlotte for the second interview. So Canales winds up being the head coach in Carolina. So we have only three NFL jobs that are now left open there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the last couple of jobs that are open. But Canales, to me, becomes a surprise hire after just one year in Tampa. However, 
quarterback guru, who's the quarterback in Carolina. Bryce Young. Bryce Young, who needs a hell of a lot of help. Yes, he does. Because they need players around him, too. <laughs> um, and it's interesting that they hired Canales in Carolina without having hired a general manager yet. Much like the Chargers have not hired a general manager. So that's the coaching carousel as we sit here heading towards a great sports weekend. And things have started to move at pretty fast speed. And once we get beyond the games on Sunday night, you may see a couple of these other jobs fill lickety-split. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a comment on the coaches, but first, I just want to welcome all the live stream viewers from the Winnipeg Sports Talk. I mean, all of a sudden, they came flying in. So, hey, welcome, guys. Appreciate you being here. Um, what happened with Eric Bieniemy? I mean, he went to the the commanders. We thought he was the heir apparent. He was this hot young guy. And he's, is there skipping over him this year? One interview. That's all he's had. That's incredible. In he Washington. was like the, he was the hot, the hot guy. The well, last two seasons prior, he was hot guy, but... I don't know the understanding. We don't know what's happened in the interviews, whether he didn't interview well. or I mean, the guy's track record under Andy Reid was tremendous. Now, yeah. they have, he walked into a bad situation in Washington where they didn't have a quarterback, and then they had injuries, and they weren't very good offensively. So I, I, didn't, I don't know. I mean, it'd be shocking. There'll be a new coach in Washington. Do, do they keep Eric Bieniemy? As offensive coordinator, if Ben Johnson gets the job coming from Detroit. So, yeah, that's that's one of the, the weird angles to this thing is he's interviewed. I want to say he interviewed 14 times in three off seasons and hasn't hadn't gotten offer. Unbelievable. And now this year he only got one. So it seems like that was one in house. And they've so they've essentially passed him by. Yes. Well, incredible how it's gone so hot to so cold for him. Well, do you interview well? That's hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm stunned. But maybe not everybody's cut out to be a head coach. Well, well, that's clear. I mean, we've seen Norv Turner and a lot of other really hot coordinators flame out with that top job. Maybe the enemy is just too much of you know of a tough guy, and maybe kind of alienates some players. I don't know. I mean, I'm just surprised by Andy Reid spoke glowingly about him time and time and time again. Okay, let's move on. Next topic on the table. This is weird. Oh yeah, Tom Telesco, <laughs> basically, you know, going to the other team, you know, switching, uh, going to the dark side. The Chargers general manager who got booted winds up in Vegas. General manager, Las Vegas Raiders. Can you bleep and believe that? Um, Now, that being said, I thought he did a a good job in a tough situation with the Chargers. Had been here in San Diego, went north, had to answer to John Spanos. Record while he was general manager, 86-95. and Only two career playoff wins in the 11 years. His history is drafting athletes, and he has drafted a lot of good athletes. Sadly, franchise, as general manager of the Chargers, just devastated by virtue of injuries. Only critique I'd have of Tom Telesco, he's ultra-conservative. He's not bold. He's not brazen. He doesn't make a lot of trades. He doesn't spend big money in NFL free agents. I'll be fascinated to see whether or not he will have any input into the hiring of the coordinators under the coach who got the job, Antonio Pierce. I'll be intrigued to see whether or not Kellen Moore, if he is deposed by the Chargers, winds up going to Las Vegas 
because I think Telesco still holds Kellen Moore in high regard. And obviously we'll be interested to see if this Greg Williams rumor about the longtime defensive coordinator, if he winds up with the Raiders there. What does Tom Telesco bring aside from the 86 and 95 record? I'll say this, and it'll probably be followed by an exclamation point, which Raider fan watching will take as a bleep and insult. <laughs> he brings credibility. He brings integrity. He brings intellect. He brings consistency. All things that are lacking in Raider football Precisely, in the front yeah, office. Exactly. So there you go. Tom Telesco wearing the silver and bleak. I mean, the silver and black. And your response? I'm Again, I'm shocked by this one as well. It's kind of like, yeah, the Mark Davis is kind of bringing in kind of an A-team here. You know, sort of button-down collar guys that kind of have their act together and they're not just a bunch of renegades. This is going to be interesting, man. If they could figure out how to right the ship in Vegas, wouldn't it be great for the NFL to have the the Raiders, the the autumn wind, all the mystique around the Raiders and having them be a dominant team in the NFL? So, you know, Mark Davis putting his ducks in a row, man. I mean, we'll see what this works. Fascinating to think about the AFC West. It was interesting because I was on ESPN radio at midnight last night doing a national <laughs> thing on the Chargers hiring Harbaugh. And one of the topics we, we kicked around was the potential of what the AFC West could be real quick. Well, you got Reed and Mahomes in Kansas City. I got Harbaugh and Justin Herbert with mm-hmm. the Bolts. And now you got Antonio Pierce, and they're going to go get a quarterback, and you got different leadership now with the Raiders, and you still got Sean Payton out there, and who knows how he's going to flip this, but he's got assets to trade that he wants to trade to get his type of players in, and we know what he did in New Orleans when Drew Brees arrived with a bad arm. So, I mean, you got these teams in the AFC West that all have the potential to make a big jump up. This could be a really fascinating division next season, depending on if quarterbacks fall a certain way. So that's going to be interesting. Well, you'd have to go back like 20 years or more when the AFC West was the best division in the NFL. Yeah, the Elway era and everything all raised and then the Chargers, their run to the Super Bowl. Exactly. So, you know, are we going to go back to that? It'd be great if it would. I mean, getting some good quality football on the West Coast, that's what I'm for. Okay. Uh, Reminder, Fans Forum is coming up right at the end. John, for everybody joining us on a live stream, including all the imports that have just come from Canada, (laughs) describe to them how Fans Forum works and how all the viewers get the chance to be part of the show right at the end of the show. Yeah, um, so yeah, a lot of you Winnipeg guys are in there like, Hacksaw doesn't do this chat thing very well. We're like juggling balls here as we're doing this. So if you've got a comment or a question, just type it in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We get to everyone in the Fans Forum segment at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines, so we'll get you all involved if you've got a question or comment about anything going on in the world of sports. And a reminder, when we're done, we do Fans Forum, and when we're done, we want you to go my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. There's an orange box right at the homepage. Fill that in. Become part of the Hacksaws Insiders Group. You'll get emailings from us on a constant basis. Also, subscribe, because the minute we put something up on a YouTube channel, which, by the way, is all hours, day and night, if you get a bing (laughs) at 2 a.m. in the morning, it's probably us. Every time we put something on the YouTube channel, you get notification. We want you to share. Tell all your friends what we're doing Mondays and Thursdays at 1 o'clock on the podcast, and just subscribe to everything. Hey, we get to halftime, and our Thursday podcast, Going Towards a Great Sports Weekend, is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers. There are nine locations in San Diego. You know, we think Project's John, we think kitchen, 
We think renovating bathrooms. We think bookcases. We think about the patio and lighting. It's winter time. We should be thinking about doors and windows. You did, and I bet you're happy. Yeah, I mean, we actually got our new front door from Dixie Line, and it was awesome. You go into their showroom, they show you all these uh, samples, and it's a real door that's not, you know, going to be damaged by a lot of the the rain, the 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 uh, sun, the wind, and it's been fabulous. So they've had a great selection there. You can even go to their design studio in Solana Beach, and it's kind of like a, kind of an upscale design center for doors, windows, kitchen. And bath. These so check are the it people, out. These are the people you should walk down the aisle with the Dixie Line Lumber. And our podcast is brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. I will mention words that you need to pay attention to because I had to, and I'm glad I knew these people at North County Eye Center. Cataracts, glaucoma, cornea issues. You need glasses. You need contacts. You need an eye exam. You need help and direction. You need to talk to these people. North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. We move into the second half of our Thursday podcast, heading towards this great sports weekend. John, let's go from all things football. We're going to touch bases, a couple of other hot topics. We got baseball. Baseball, a lot of free agents out there. Teams are working out players, too. Players are going through workouts, notably guys who are recovering from surgeries, trying to prove themselves and getting free agent contracts. There's still a ton of free agents out there, highlighted, obviously, by Blake Snell. A couple of bullet points with the Dodgers and the Padres. The Dodgers added another proven veteran pitcher. This was a bit of a pricey acquisition, which really surprised me. The Dodgers signed left-hander James Paxton, Seattle Mariner, Boston Red Sox. The guy has a career record of 64 and 38 as a starter, but he's had injury problems, four different significant injuries. In the last two and a half years, he got a one-year, $12 million contract from the Dodgers. He goes in to the back end of the rotation. Now, remember, the Dodgers won't have Dustin May, won't have Clayton Kershaw till probably midseason, probably right around July 1st. So this is an insurance policy guy. The insurance policies are expensive. One year, $12 million for James Paxton. But when healthy, this guy is very competitive. The Padres, meanwhile, are looking for back-of-the-rotation starters. The Padres worked out former New York Met frontline starter Noah Syndergaard, a.k.a. Thor. He's just never recovered from the shoulder miseries. He's been with three different teams. Angels looked at him, uh, let him go. Dodgers had him for a piece of the season. They let him go. Syndergaard has bounced around. He was in Philadelphia. I don't know if he can be the complete guy or whether he's just a long reliever and a partial starter. Padres also worked out Michael Lorenzen. This guy was an all-star pitcher last year with Detroit. He's a converted outfielder, uh, threw a no-hitter last season, but had an ERA north of four. They worked out Michael Lorenzen, so maybe there is a deal there. It is apparent to me, though, the Padres really have run out of money. I mean, because they've been very inactive since they signed the two Japanese free agent closers. And by the way, with spring training opening the first week of February, the Padres still don't have a left fielder, and the Padres don't have a center fielder. So what do you think about Paxton going to L.A.? Uh, that guy, I'm surprised he's still playing in the in major leagues. He seemed to wash up to me. Well, he had, well, he had forearm injuries, he had shoulder injuries, he had a knee injury. Guy has not been able to stay on the mound. But when he was healthy, 64 and 38 is a pretty good set of numbers. Yeah, well, when he was healthy, but how long ago was that? It's Two just, years. seems like the Dodgers are just throwing money at this guy. Now, I don't know if you saw the video. It was on Instagram. Some of the fans were, they were 
checking out what was going on at Petco Park. And they had some of the, the Padre pitchers and staff there working out in the bullpen, you know, mm-hmm. including Ethan Salas and some of the young minor league guys catching them. Yeah, they, they bring guys, in, especially the rehab guys, and they're allowed access to the facility under the tutelage of, of medical people and coaches, and they will throw bullpens. Musgrove has probably been there by virtue of the injury, maybe even a U Darvish when he's been in town. So that's that's commonplace. Okay, we go from that baseball topic to this real hot topic. Yeah, here we go. Hall of Fame. I mean, there's some pretty interesting names on this board. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, we added three more by vote of the Baseball Writers Association to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Adrian Beltre, what an unbelievable career. You go back and if you look at the statistics, you say, gee, this guy was a stud. 286 career average, 477 home runs in a career that spanned 21 years. He went from Dodgers to free agency in Seattle to free agency in Texas. Quiet, efficient, and really good. And I think the most unique thing about Beltre is the bulk of the Big superstar numbers were put up after he left Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. So he goes from Chavez Ravine to Cooperstown. One of the really nice people in baseball. First baseman, DH, slugger Todd Helton. Entire career in in Colorado. Uh, 316 career average, 389 home runs. People will yell, well, he played half his career at Coors Canaveral, Coors Field. His statistics are almost identical home Versus Road. Amazing. Really good player. Nice man. Very trustworthy. Third guy, hometown product, made good. Uh, Joe Maurer. He plays one of the toughest positions in baseball, Minnesota Twins. His entire career, I think it was 16 years, behind home plate. The wear and tear factor on a catcher is unbelievable. Yet, he hit 306 with 143 home runs. Those are the three that made it in. I do not understand why Billy Wagner is not in. I mean, that's a fascinating story. The Phillies and Astros left-hander who broke his arm and came back and made himself a left-handed pitcher. 2.31 career ERA, 422 saves, nearly 1,200 strikeouts and 903 innings, and he's still not in the Hall of Fame. I thought we had knocked that barrier down when Trevor Hoffman and the Yankee great got into the Hall of Fame. I thought all relievers then would be welcome with open arms. And now he only missed by four votes, so maybe next year. Gary Sheffield, I'm, I just don't quite understand this. He played 22 years. Lifetime hitter, 292, 509 home runs. Now, the only only negatives on his career was he seemed to be a chronic problem player. Now, he'd been with eight teams. He kept getting traded. Uh, there was also insinuations. Was he a substance abuse guy? Was his 509 home run power because he did so? Never tested positive, was never dragged into the Dowd report and all the other stuff. He's on the outside looking in now because his 10-year limit has expired. And then there's the controversial guys. Alex Rodriguez. 296 career average, 696 home runs, a rod, a fraud, a liar, (laughs) a been suspended, not in the Hall of Fame. He drew only 34% of the vote. And then there's Manny Wood in Hollywood. That's what he was called when he came here with the Dodgers. I remember that. Manny Ramirez, Indians, Red Sox, 555 home runs. Same storyline with him, with A-Rod. With Barry Bonds, with Roger Clemens, with Mark McGuire, cheats. So if we opened up 
fans forum just for that topic on the table would fill up this board with these guys were great in baseball. They deserve to be there. And my response is, well, they stain the most important thing in baseball, which is the baseball record book. And that's why they're getting 32% or 34% or fell off the ballot completely. And John Riley out in left field says. <laughs> left field. A couple of comments on each of these guys. I remember when Beltre was with the Dodgers. He was young. He was like mm-hmm. 19 or 20. And he was playing third base. And he was all the hype. And nothing really worked out for him until his contract year. And then he cashed in, went to Seattle, and he seemed to sort of be an obscurity, you know, for me as a Padre fan. He disappeared off the radar. Yeah, exactly. And then he shows up in Texas, and he just keeps compiling these numbers. I just love the videos when people try to touch his head, you know, and uh, that just bugs him. I think it's just hilarious stuff. Um, Helton, class guy, worthy of it. He even kind of tipped a hat to Tony Gwynn, who kind of taught him some things. Um, Maurer, don't know a lot about him, but clearly he's a dude. But I, I look at those guys that just missed. And Wagner... The numbers say it, but, you know, I mean, was he ever on a world championship team? I'm not sure if he was. Might have been towards the end with Philly. I, I'm not sure. But it, the statistics are they're phenomenal. They're, yeah, they are incredible. But the, the guys that were on the juice, okay, whether it's A-Rod or Manny Wood or Sheffield, even Bonds and Clements, they all need to go in, okay? They all need to be in the Hall of Fame. And you can put an asterisk next to the plaque. You can include a paragraph next to the plaque that explains the controversy. But you cannot tell the story of baseball without having all of those names in there. I think that the most intriguing thing to me, and the asterisk thing has been discussed, most intriguing thing to me is that stain will forever be there if you're a diehard baseball fan. If I mention to you just in a conversation over a cup of coffee, first reaction, what do you think of when I say Barry Bonds? Big head steroids. Okay. <laughs> What do you, what, what's your first reaction when I use the word Roger Clemens? Yeah, tough guy, steroids. Okay. And we, yeah, exactly. Down the road there. So that's, that's where you are. That controversy will just rage on and on and on. But those three guys will be enshrined at Cooperstown this coming summer. A couple of other topics on the table before I get to fans forum. Yeah, it's always a great time of year in San Diego. The PGA is in town. Yeah, the, the PGA makes it stop. Farmers open. But this just has a different feel to it. Uh, and it's it's a real tough feel. I don't know what the future of the tournament is, John. And and this this bothers me. When I think Tory Pines, I think walking the course with Tiger Woods and the entourage, nine and ten rows deep around the greens to watch him. I think of sitting there talking to Phil Mickelson and the, all the other great names on the PGA Tour of the past that have shot. North and South Course at Torrey Pines. There's just a specialness to that place in the early morning or at sunset. And that specialness now seems to be gone. There's no Rory McIlroy. There's no John Rahm. There's no Dustin Johnson. There's no Brooks Kepka. These are all guys that had great success uh, in, in at Torrey Pines, Farmers Open. Before that, the Buick Open. Before that, the San Diego Open. Andy Williams. <laughs> exactly. Back <laughs> yeah, cool. in the day. Yeah. And then... Now, there's no argument that there's some really good young golfers out there. But Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, do they replace the stars that we have lost? I think right now, if you were to go out of Torrey Pines, the galleries would be down. You go out to Torrey Pines, the mystique is not there. I think it's safe to say that Torrey Pines, Farmers Open, is a victim of what happened with the PGA LIV war. All the stars are not playing 
where everybody used to come from to watch this tournament. To me, it's sad. Yeah, it is. And it's always been one of the, the big events that's not one of the majors, I always thought. And remember, Craig, uh, what was this, Craig Stadler was yep. down there on his knees, hitting the ball by the tree. And there's been so many great storylines, including Tiger Woods at the U.S. Open with a broken leg and everything else. I just love this tournament. In fact, when I was in college, my, my fraternity used to work at the, at the, at the golf course. Uh, so what a great venue that is. And I, especially when you turn it on on TV and it's just a chamber of commerce, beautiful, you know, Pacific Ocean. But yeah, it is kind of like a, like a minor league or like an XFL of, of golf. I mean, we need to have these star players back in these tournaments. It's become a second-tier tournament. It's not one of the $20 million tournaments that the PGA designated a year ago when they started to pour more, more money into the purses. San Diego, Torrey Pines got, got left out. Only 12 of the top 30 money winners are That's playing it. in this tournament this year. Wow. And this is a tournament that used to give us Tiger and Phil and yeah. all those other great players. Exactly. So, so that's where we are with the Farmers. We'll see if it changes a year from now if we get to this merger and this peace settlement between the PGA and the LIV. Uh, corner kick me the next question. Okay. <laughs> Lots of names in the news here in, the, uh, in, in British Premier League. What's going on, Lee? Uh, here's a question. You ever heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side? Yeah, I've and heard it. And then you jump over the fence and you find out it's really crabgrass? Yeah. Saudi Arabia has been throwing all this money at all these athletes. Obviously, the Saudi Super League in golf. And then they started this past off season in soccer. And it has not gone so well. Karim Benzim out of Spain. He went from Spain to Saudi Arabia in a mega contract. He has been there less than six months. He wants out. He wants to leave. He wants to come back to the English Premier League. He says the culture over there, the broken promises, the treatment of people in Saudi Arabia, he does not want to be there. And outside of Cristiano Ronaldo, who went there early, Benzema is probably the second biggest name that jumped ship. Uh, there's another young forward. His name is Henderson. He went from Saudi Arabia. He asked for release from his contract three months in. He didn't like anything that he was experiencing. He has been released. He's come back. He left a lot of money behind, and he's come back, and he signed with uh, Ajax in the Netherlands. Uh, there is a young defenseman by the name of Laporte who went from Manchester City. He's asked for his release. Same set of storylines. People, training methods, society, culture. He wants to come back to the English Premier League. So the grass is not always greener on the other side. I'm wondering if there will be others. There are like 16 marquee global players who jumped. Mm -hmm. You know, if you recall a year ago this time, we're talking about Lionel Messi. Where's he going? And he had this mega offer to go there. He said no. And he wound up coming to Miami in Major League Soccer. So we, we got some marquee names that are really unhappy over in Saudi Arabia. Meanwhile, you know this guy, Gio Reyna, uh, Team USA, mm -hmm. young budding star. He's asked out of his contract in Dortmund, Germany. He's not playing. They hardly give him any minutes at all, and it's being negotiated. He may wind up going to the English Premier League with the help of Greg Berhalter to Nottingham Forest. That could cool. happen maybe this weekend. Real bad news at Liverpool, which is a legendary team in the EPL, Mo Salah, who went home to play in the African Cup for his country, 
tore his hamstring. They don't know how long he's going to be out, but he's going to be out a large chunk of time. And this is one of the top goal scorers at Liverpool in the English Premier League. So he's going back to England for medical treatment, but he's out indefinitely. And then there's the great Mexican player that so much was expected of, uh, Javier Hernandez, a.k.a. Chicharito. He was let go by LA Galaxy at the end of the season, had a controversial three-year run. He had injuries. There was off-the-field issues. There were coaching clashes. He was let go. He's just gone back to play for his original club where he started this great career at Guadalajara Chivas. So he's gone back to Mexico. Now, Chicharito, I think, is 36. He's not a young pup mm-hmm. anymore. But his career it never quite reached the peak that I, everybody thought he was going to be a global superstar. Just and he bounced all over the place. Played in Europe, played, obviously— uh, in, in MLS didn't work out. So he's come back and he'll finish out his career in Mexico. So there's a ton of, ton of soccer stories out there. We corner kick you some hot topics every once in a while. Yeah, there's some good names on that list. But, you know, this is a lot like LIV, isn't it? How these players are leaving to go to another league. And, well, not only are they dealing with Saudis, which is a similar component here, but they're in a situation where they now – the leagues that you got the star players in some leagues and some in other leagues, it kind of waters down the competition, doesn't it? Whereas in like in basketball, the top players always play in the NBA. Why don't the top players in soccer just all play for Premier League? It's just money is what it comes down well, to. Well, the Saudis gave them blood money and they, all those guys went and they disappeared off the radar. Yeah. It's like LIV golf. Yeah. I mean, all those really great PGA guys jumped, got paydays. Do you know when the tournaments are? Have no. you watched any tournaments on TV? No. No, not stateside. Nobody has. Nothing. Uh, do you subscribe to team play golf rather than metal play? No. <laughs> no. No. So that's where we are. And all of a sudden, the grass doesn't look as green on that side of the fence as it did here. And mm-hmm. some of these guys are coming back. And we'll see a year from now. We're doing this podcast a year from now. I, hopefully, this merger between PGA LIV will occur. And it's intriguing. All these guys who went abroad outside of Cristiano Ronaldo starting to grumble about, I don't like this atmosphere where I'm at. I'm like, you're on the other side of the globe and you're off the radar. (laughs) Completely off the radar. Okay, those are hot topics on the table. It's your turn to take over. John created the segment. He's to blame for whatever is going to be next on the podcast. John, it's time for Fans Forum. Fans Forum. Here we go. We got a lot of people on the list here. Let's, uh, what we got? This list is gigantic since our Winnipeg friends all jumped on board. Let me get back to the top here. Holy moly. Okay, we got a lot of names here. Er, there we go. Okay, here it is. <laughs> Take the fifth is going to break the ice. <laughs> All right, we'll go here to John Hopkins. He says, surprise, Jim Harbaugh wasn't the first topic today. The hire is either going to be genius or a train wreck. Let's hope Harbaugh doesn't get Spanos all over him. I asked a question on my Hacksaw mini poll on, on uh, Twitter. I said, what's the biggest obstacle that, that Harbaugh is going to inherit uh, going to work for the Chargers. And, and some people said, well, Lee, he's got monstrous problems with the roster, no running back, huge problems in the interior defensive line, etc. Another one said salary cap. When you're that far over the cap, you're going to be deposing of big money name players. And the third one says he's got to, got to resolve what is the Spanos culture. Since John Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh, Jack Harbaugh are really the first family of football. It's not the Spanos family. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, but, you know, if you're a Charger fan, you got to be thrilled. If you're an NFL fan, you got to be thrilled. Sure. You know, this is good for the league, good for the sport. It's good for L.A. to have some sizzle and some, you know, Hollywood there. So let's see what happens. 
Next question. Next question. Let's go here to Michael. And he says, hey, hey, Lee, with Bally's out, what will the TV packages for the upcoming Padres season look like? Well, it will be the same as last year because MLB streaming has taken over the Padre broadcast, the Colorado broadcast, the Arizona broadcast. They've not gotten access to the others because Bally and Diamond Sports have gotten a one-year loan from Amazon. A whole bunch of these other teams will be on Amazon Prime, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, but the Padres will be back where they were, whatever the system was that you had. If there was a pay system, it will be back there. Programming is going to be streamlined a little bit. Uh, there, there was hardly any pregame show. Uh, they're cutting back on the postgame show. They've let Mark Sweeney go. Uh, they've let uh, Annie Heilbrunn go. There's some other changes that are coming to the broadcast. But that'll sort itself out by opening day that, you know, the bulk of the broadcast team led by Don Orsillo, Mark Grant, uh, Bob Scanlon will all be there in place. They're adding another sideline reporter. Uh, but for the most part, they've really kind of streamlined in the content. Yeah, well, I, I'm an- anxious for the new season to start. It's going to be great. We have direct TV stream and the MLB channel or the Padres channel is one of the channels on direct TV stream. So I'm curious to see if YouTube TV picks it up as well. We're going to find out in a few months. OK, moving on down the road. Let's go here to Angel. He says Lions will make it a game. But in the end, the 49ers uh, will pull it out in the end. 31-24 49ers. It's pretty tough if all you have in your right hand is a pistol and the other guy's got a bazooka. (laughs) And that's San Francisco 49er football. But take nothing away from what Detroit has accomplished. They've kind of become America's second team uh, behind the Dallas Cowboys. And I think a lot of people fascinated to see if they can ratchet this up and pull this off. I guess anything is possible. Hell, I was a voice of... And the Chargers went to the Super Bowl in 1995, and there wasn't a person in the world who thought that was possible. And the Chargers beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and the AFC Championship game got to go. And that's why you play the game. We'll see what Detroit does in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel so torn on this because I've always rooted for the Lions, but I'm a childhood Niners fan. So I got to go with the Niners. But yeah, back in the day, in the 90s, when the Chargers went to the Super Bowl, who would have thunk? Because like five years or so before, it was Billy Joe Tolliver and Marion Butts and, you know, a lot of these guys that you knew weren't going to take you to the promised land. Billy Joe Overthrow. Billy Joe, that's right. That was your nickname for him. So, you know, good on Detroit. Let's hopefully, you know, maybe some magic happens. Next question. Next question. He goes, uh, this is uh, from Boss Split. Hacksaw Winnipeg is here. Yeah, uh, l- let me just give you a little background <laughs> of this. Uh, I've developed a working relationship with a whole bunch of Canadian radio sports radio stations. I do NFL uh, insider reports for them on a weekly basis. Uh, and my friends in Winnipeg Uh, who had a big sports talk show, and their station went away, like my stations went away, they started podcast. And it has over 10,000 subscribers. It's absolutely amazing. Good on them. So I've I've been doing stuff for them every week, an NFL Notebook segment on Friday. And then somehow the question came up between the producers, is there a way we can link Hacksaw's headlines to the back end of Winnipeg Sports Talk? Because they get off at the time we are starting on Mondays and Thursdays. So we... John cheated. John used bailing wire and bubble gum and glue, and we got this thing all interconnected, interfaced. So now we have a Canadian group that's across Canada that is following us, as well as everything we've done here in Southern California. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Okay. And so here's one from Matt. He says, thank goodness he isn't wearing a Leafs hoodie today. Oh, that must be a Winnipeg Jet fan. (laughs) He's going to be pissed when I show up wearing an Edmonton Oilers one. But I do have a Jet hoodie. 
Uh, instead of them paying me $100,000 a year, they send me a jet hoodie yeah. uh, as my remuneration for doing the NFL Notebook in Winnipeg. So I I promise you I will wear the Winnipeg jet hoodie. Okay. Uh, so here, and here's another comment. Kenny's Waterball Hacksaw Show just gave WST a shout-out back. Our lives are now complete. And as a part of this deal, <laughs> you have to subscribe to everything we're doing on my YouTube channel, and you have to join my insiders group by going to my website and read my website every day. Okay, but that. That speech is over. Okay. From Jeff, I bet Hacksaw is loving Harbaugh to superchargers. He's, I'll tell you what, he was an uh, unbelievable college coach. What he accomplished as a football player was unbelievable as a quarterback at Michigan. Uh, by the way, my Sun Devils beat them in the Rose Bowl. Mm. I broadcast that game. Nice. Beat Bo Schembechler. He was not happy. Beat Harbaugh. <laughs> Harbaugh had a really good career in the NFL, much of it with the Indianapolis Colts. He's a gamer. So this will be fascinating to see how he changes things going forward. Of all the jobs that are open in the NFL, this is probably the best one. Not because the Spanos family owns a franchise, not because they're in L.A. where nobody cares. He's got Justin Herbert coming in the front door. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, finally some credibility with this franchise. Uh, moving on, here's one from Phyllis, and he says, Happy to be here from WST. <laughs> I liked and subscribed to this channel. The well, only words we use when you describe what we're doing, Phyllis, is bleeping brilliant. Yeah, thanks, Phyllis, for joining us. Hey, let's go to Miller Time. He says, Hacksaw, will the Kings buy out PLD, LOL? Boy, they're in trouble. They had just an abysmal home ice loss last night. He's talking about the L.A. Kings to the Buffalo Sabres. They had a big lead, and they blew it at home. And Todd McClellan's in hot water as head coach, and he had done a good job. He's got some roster guys there that aren't playing real well and I don't think are working real hard. And there was an incident after the game involving defenseman Drew Doughty in a team meeting. And then he said much the same at the postgame press conference where he stood up and he said, there are people in this room that are only concerned about their own statistics rather than their own team. Mm. So suddenly, the L.A. Kings, they got issues. And I'm sure he's referencing Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's referencing Kevin Viala. Uh, they've, got, they've got some guys who are not earning their $8 million salaries right now. It's a big, big issue because they came out of the gate flying, and all of a sudden, they haven't played real well in a month. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, just what a mess. Now, I want to have a question, just kind of an off one about the Kings. When Steve Ballmer builds this new arena for the Clippers, are the Kings going to move there or are they going to stay in downtown L.A.? No, because the Kings are owned by AEG. Mm -hmm. And AEG was part of the group that financed the Crypto.com yeah, arena. The Staples Center. In Whatever words, yeah. it used to be called. <laughs> right. great, yeah, great Western Forum back in the day. So no, the, the Kings won't be going. That'll, that'll be a Clippers entourage operation. <laughs> okay, let's go on here for, to, uh, to Yin. Says, I want to be a Hacksaw Insider. Yin, go to my website, Orange Box, homepage. Put the information there. You'll start getting mailings as we roll different things out in 2024. Okay. And then from Running Man, I always listen to the podcast of the show. Love the fan forum part. Hey, great. Yeah, we stumbled upon something. If there's ever anything in the fans forum you don't like, 
Blame John. Yeah. John's John's the one that created the fans forum. Now you know why sometimes John is out in left field with some of his opinions. And I just like getting some of the Winnipeg guys in here. Kenny's Water Bottle says, a fellow named Hacksaw sponsored by a lumber store. Perfect. That's right. We build it. We do sports talk our way and it works. All right. Then uh, this is also from Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oilers hoodie siding. I think that was in the North County Eye Center ad. Yeah, exactly. We do have a lot of different gear. I don't own anything. I told John this. I don't own anything. Doesn't have a logo on it. So thank you for very much. <laughs> okay, and this is from Raul. He says, Pete Rose gets in and then the rest will follow. It's a huge debate. Um, but the reality is every commissioner since Faye Vincent has said absolutely not. Uh, I just don't see it. Pete's got to be north of 80 years of age, and I, I think his health is starting to fail. I just don't think Pete Rose is going to get in because he gambled. I read the Dowd report. I was shocked at the depths of the gambling addiction that I read in the Dowd report. And the one year that they did the investigation, they found, they tracked all the bets that Pete Rose had placed. The Reds had opened the season in San Diego. They played a three-game series, first weekend of the series, and they stayed down to, or stayed in Mission Valley at the Town & Country Hotel. And they have all this electronic surveillance, and Pete Rose placed 24 bets on baseball in three days while the Reds were here. Hmm. And he was placing bets from the manager's office at the stadium. So, I mean, there was a gambling addiction like you can't can't believe. Now, he may say, I never bet on my team to lose. I always bet on my team to win. But he had insider information about injuries or he knew what was going on with the Pirates pitching staff. And he placed loads of bets there. So I just don't think Pete Rose will get in. And, you know, this will be another topic for another segment. And we'll do a strictly a baseball only segment. We'll talk about who's in, who's not in, in the Baseball Hall of Fame because there would be coast-to-coast dialogue about A-Rod and then obviously Manny and then obviously all the other guys from Bonds to Clemens to all the other guys who got caught and named in these different reports. Didn't Faye Vincent promise Pete Rose that he was going to let him back in? I think there was promise that there would be a hearing. I don't know that the hearing ever took place. Okay, but then Faye Vincent passed away, and and now Pete Rose has nothing to hang on to. they, they got to let him in. I mean, the all-time hit leader is not in the Hall of Fame? It's a big issue. His memorabilia is in the Hall of Fame. It's absolutely amazing. His Cincinnati Reds memorabilia is in the Reds Hall of Fame. Yes, it but should he's be. Not, but he's not allowed access to the facilities, not allowed access to anything in terms of any of the festivities baseball-related. So. Yeah. Again, I'll go back to the question I spun to you about a half hour ago. If I mention the name Pete Rose, what do you think? Well, you'd probably say Mr. Hits. Yeah, right. Say Charlie Hustle knocking out Ray Fossey and that 71 All-Star. But yeah, banned from baseball. But when he was playing ball, he wasn't gambling. No. And during that window of time, I can't think of anyone more deserving than Pete Rose. And you're correct. Even though that Ty Cobb was a racist and a lout, Ty Cobb is in there, so should not Pete Rose be in there? It's exactly argument for the ages. Next question. Okay, let's go here to Manny, and he says, Baseball benefited greatly from the steroid era. They turned a blind eye when McGuire and Sosa packed the stands. Reporters lapped it up and rode the wave, too. Now everyone blames the players. Well, understand this, though. In that era, there was a move afoot to have drug testing for steroids, and it never happened. And who blocked it? Donald Fear, head of the players' union, under the guise of players' private lives. The most sacramental, important thing in Major League Baseball 
is the record book. And by virtue of the guys who cheated, they stained the record book because it impacted all the records in baseball. And record book is the most sacred thing in the history of the game. Agree or disagree, John? Yeah, I mean, this is just unbelievable the way these players are not getting in the Hall of Fame. I and mean, it's just so deserving. But during that time in the 90s, man, baseball was electric, wasn't it? When McGuire and Sosa and and brought baseball back from it the totally did. It, for, yeah, I mean, that was a disgrace. That was um, Tony Gwynn was going to hit 400 that year, and then they ended up canceling the season. He hit 394. Yeah. So th- that was a special time in baseball. And we always kind of suspected it, right? Because Canseco in the late 80s with McGuire. You have a union card? <laughs> the union is the one that prevented drug testing. That's Donald Fear. Mm. You can't invade the players' privacy. The players are freaking cheating. Right. Records are being broken because they're cheating and you're blocking baseball from drug testing. But, you know, back in the 70s and the 60s, they were taking the, the reds and the greens and the bennies and all that other, you know, stuff. I don't know. What is, what is it like? Is it like meth or something that got people all hyped up so they play the ball game? This drug thing has been going on in sports forever. Yeah, but there is cooperation now and there is blood testing. There's HGH testing. I mean, it was finally agreed to. The union finally acquiesced. But it was allowed to happen because Donald Fear allowed it to happen. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a lack of integrity right there. I agree with you. Next question. Next question. Okay, let's move on here. And we had someone lined up. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's go here to Stonewall Dave. He says, this whole Pete Rose discourse tends to forget that he agreed to the punishment. He knew the punishment fit. He knew what he did. I read the report. I know what he did. If you read the report, you'd be shocked. Actually... Everything is on the internet. Some things you shouldn't read, but <laughs> you if you just go ahead and Google the Dowd report. I mean it's yay thick. But just read about where he was, bets he made, how many he plays. I mean it was a, it was a gambling addiction you could not believe. So the punishment fit and he had to accept it. And I don't think it it will ever change. I think he will die like Joe Jackson died, a dead man without getting the honors he deserves. Mm. Tough one, man. Let's go on here. Craig Smith with some breaking news. Raheem Morris, the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Well, that that had been rumored out there. Now, this is interesting because all of a sudden, Mike Vrabel's fallen off the chart. And I would have bet that Mike Vrabel would have been hired. It's also interesting because he doesn't have a job. He being Bill Belichick. Isn't that stunning? I mean, he had two immediate interviews with Atlanta and did not get hired. He has not interviewed any other place. Bill Belichick without a head coaching job. Wow. I mean, so what are the other open seats now? What's left? Well, Washington is one, and there's one other. Uh, Seattle. Okay. And Seattle's moving on Dan Quinn, I think, pretty quickly. So Belichick to the commanders, is, is that a doable thing? What do He's not interviewed. But who would they interviewed? Well, they supposedly offered the job to the offensive coordinator in Detroit, Ben Johnson. Oh, that's right. Okay. All right. Belichick, without a job. That's unbelievable. He might be sitting here in a hoodie doing this podcast (laughs) next week with you. (laughs) Belichick in a hoodie. All right. Hey, let's uh, let's go check out some of these social media comments. We've got a bunch of them over here as well. And let's go to, oh, here's some Chicago Bulls comments from Chuck Taylor. 
Yeah, talking about Jerry Krause. They, get, he was supposed to be enshrined in, in the Ring of Honor and the night of the ceremony with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. When they showed the video of Jerry Krause, the fans booed. When they, when they introduced his wife to accept the plaque and the honor, they booed her. It was pretty nasty, and the reaction from around the NBA was pretty hostile. So is this guy a good Bulls fan or a classless Bulls fan? <laughs> this guy, I think, is a, is a true Bulls fan. He says they booed him while he was alive. The city of Chicago doesn't have to forget give anyone who broke up one of the greatest dynasties in professional sports history. That and the historical statement he made at the end that organizations win championships, <laughs> not players, which was kind of insulting directed at Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Bill Cartwright, and all those great players that were there. So yeah, I mean, that that's the legacy of what Jerry Krause well, organizations can screw up franchises and we've ah, seen that exactly okay here this this is a comment about the favorite nfl tv analyst from uh, brian shaw he says chris collinsworth is way too jock writer he compliments so much it is completely disingenuous and dude doesn't know when to just shut up and have you seen the absurd videos of him when he was a player bragging about having hundred dollar bills falling out of his pockets <laughs> freaking tool this guy he's different he brings pers- personality to the, the TV booth. Uh, he seems to have a lot more fun with it than the other analyst. I, I mean, we all have different tastes. I mean, I like lemon sherbet. This guy likes three flavors of ice cream. You know, I, I can't, as, as a viewer, having done NFL football for 17 years, you can't analyze X and O's, every X and O play. That gets old. That's get cumbersome. Collinsworth is different than the other guys. Tony Romo, Troy Aikman, uh, Greg, uh, the tight end. Greg Olson. Greg Olson. He's different. Collinsworth brings personality and a little bit of flair. But he does talk football. So, you know, do you like lemon ice or do you like three flavors of ice cream? So you like what you like. But uh, I I like Collinsworth. I've interviewed Chris and uh, uh, they're all good. Romo, I think Romo's elite, though. He's just in a different world. Well, you know, it's interesting that Brian brings up this topic, jock rider. I had never heard that term, <laughs> but I know what he means. It's like sometimes they'll they'll pull their punches. They won't critique the player because they know they'll have to face the player at a certain point and they don't want to get chewed out. I mean, do you did you get that vibe? Yeah, I got blasted sometimes. I got blasted for junk other talk show host at my station said about the players when I was a voice of the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I guess it comes with the territory. But yeah, there is a, I guess there was a bit of a fine line. But, you know, if if you're Kadarius Tony and you keep dropping passes and then you line up off line up offside, it <laughs> kills a touchdown pass that impacts your ability to play be in the playoffs. You deserve to get criticized and criticism comes with the that's a piece of the equation. If you're going to make that kind of money and be a pro player. Now, if you get get berated every every time you're on the TV or every game you play, maybe that's a different thing. But when you're screwing up as much as. The Kansas City receiver is screwing up. Damn right he deserves to get criticized. Well, a lot of these guys have thin skin, I think, because they've always been the guy, the prima donna, wherever they've gone. And now they're getting smacked around and getting critiqued. Yeah. My my bounce back was, hey, if you never said thank you for all the 
positive things I said about you during the course of broadcast, then don't be bitching about the one negative thing I might have said, which, by the way, you deserve to be hammered on. <laughs> Good call. Okay, here's another comment here about Bills fans and Chargers fans. This is from Do You Love It? He says, no comparison between Buffalo or San Diego being cursed. None. Bills have won eight, uh, four years of the AFC. Well, excuse me. The Bills won the AFC four years in a row, and they still have their beloved team with a new stadium on the way. San Diego had our Chargers taken away from us and sent to the worst joke of a city they could have gone to. Bills have good owners. Chargers have Spanos slash devils. You're correct. They're every aspect. Now, the only comeback I would have is... You walking around with shorts and a t-shirt today in Buffalo? We are in San Diego. Are you walking around? But you know, I won't. I won't pile on the weather in Buffalo. But no, the Bills have had great ownership for a long period of time. And I mean, he's making reference to the Marv Levy era. era. Oh, Jim yeah. Kelly, what a spectacular organization it was, and the fact that they got there four times and never won. The Chargers got there once and got their doors blown off and have been incompetent for the most part since that point in time. But uh, you know, Buffalo, Buffalo is close. They just haven't been able. To jump over that line because they can't beat Kansas City anywhere, anytime in the postseason. That doesn't mean they're a bad organization. Doesn't mean McDermott's a bad coach. Doesn't mean that Josh Allen's got flaws. They just haven't been able to do it. On the it's the it's the way you play, the day you play. Mm-hmm. And the day they played Kansas City, Arrowhead, Kansas City, back there at Highmark Stadium, didn't work out. Doesn't mean it's a bad team. Yeah, well, the Bills, they're, you figure they're going to figure out a way to to improve here. But I just want to talk about cursed cities. Because, yeah, San Diego is at the top of the list. And for the longest time, Cleveland was near the top of the Mistake list. Mistake by the lake. Yeah, but at least, you know, they had LeBron and they won a championship. Yes. Um, I mean, San Diego has just been, I mean, if it wasn't for being a great place to live, this is a terrible sports town. Well, now we can add Oakland to that list because yeah. all the franchises they've lost. Yeah, Oakland is definitely on that list. Hey, let's get a couple more in here. Uh, talking Raiders from Grape. He says, I imagine they're going to try and move up in the draft. He should be better suited, talking about Tom Telesco, he should be better suited for that instead of the other guys. Also, apparently, him and Antonio Pierce hit it off in the last meeting before he got hired, which is kind of weird considering what that means with other general managers who were interviewed, not talking about Champ. Hope we keep Champ too, though. This is a good hire, in my opinion. I think it is too because he has a track record and you have to understand where he came from. He is a protege of Bill Polian, Telesco. Telesco, Polian, success Carolina, success Indianapolis. Mm. Bill retired, Tom came to San Diego. I thought he did a reputable job. Granted, the one loss record is 86 95, and they never, never got to the Super Bowl. With them, and they were blessed with really great quarterbacks. But in the big overall picture, they're also beset by horrible injuries. They had salary cap issues, etc. So he'll bring to the Raiders what the Raiders have really never ever had. There's some stability in his approach to doing business, mm-hmm. and I, you know, he'll counterbalance the passion play that is Antonio Pierce, the coach. I'll be fascinated to see if they wind up with Kellen Moore, the Charger offensive coordinator, who does not appear to be sticking. Uh, with the Harbaugh regime. So it'll be fascinating to see if any of those guys wind up there. But give them some time. But they got a problem. they got to go find a quarterback, and I think they're drafting 13. And mm-hmm. you're not going to get marquee quarterback at 13. So, But they do find players. Well, how many times have we heard 
people say on paper, the Chargers should win the AFC. They should mm-hmm. be a Super Bowl team. So you can't really blame Telesco. He's assembled a roster. They've either gotten hurt or they've underperformed or the, the coach goes for it on fourth down in negative territory and, you know, screws it up. I mean, so I don't think it's on Telesco. So I, I'm happy he landed somewhere. Yeah. Good man. Real good man. Going to the black hole. A good man going to the black hole. <laughs> I still can't believe that one at all. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, let's go here. Let's got some UCLA basketball talk from Steven San Diego talking about Mick Cronin. He says, he's just telling it like it is, Saw, just like you do. Today's top recruits are sometimes pampered. Huge ego, young kids, and he's got a team full of them. Well, uh, it's too early to say that he made a mistake, but he, he stockpiled that whole thing with Euros. And that culture, that learning curve must really be difficult for those kids. It's a different type of basketball, even though one or two of those kids were, quote, playing in a pro league abroad. Uh, as long as he can hold on to those kids and they stay there and nobody jumps in the transfer portal, they'll probably grow. And they've gotten, after that horrid stretch, they've started to play a little bit more competitive basketball. But it's obvious they got holes in the roster. You know, and I, I thought back to this at the end of last season. They kind of captured the fancy of a lot of people at UCLA and kind of drove into the tournament. Mm-hmm. The guy that was the focal point of all that was Amari Bailey. He was a freshman, bright star. He jumped ship, mm. went to the NBA after one year, one and done. Should have stayed. So Cronin had to restart again with virtually no experience and then bringing all the Euros in. And they're going through the culture shock of learning what college basketball is, is really like. It's just really hard. And he reacted really badly, too. I, I just don't think you bury your own players. You can be tough on them behind closed doors in a practice. I just don't think you, nationwide you can trash them and then wonder why you can't recruit kids in the future based on what you used to do the kids you brought in. Yeah, and he's dealing with a lot of one-and-dones, and that's disruptive to the culture. But just to go across the street over at USC, what's the latest on Bronny James? I mean, He's playing. They've had two major injuries on that team, so he's had to start as a freshman. Yeah, the stupid comments, excuse me, going to the NBA? I played my dad. The kid is averaging less than five points a game as a part-time starter at Southern Cal on his first year. He's not NBA ready. What the hell is that all about? No, not at all. Now, Bronny, stay there for a couple of years. See if you can help Andy Enfield build that thing and rally it back to where it used to be because it's not right now. They're sub-500 at USC. Now they've had two major injuries, which have kind of impacted their backcourt. But Bronny James is not ready to be an NBA player. I'm going crazy (laughs) reading all this junk. Yeah, just the hype around it and everything. Let's let's see if we can squeeze one more in here. Let's talk a little bit. This is from one of the guys on the website, and he said, uh, it's Arthur. And he says, I think you missed a significant end-of-the-year story when San Diego State was saved from themselves as they tried to join the Pac-12. The Mountain West Conference chastised them in spite of the fact that State made the conference proud by making the Final Four and into the championship game against Connecticut. Well, they tried, and the whole thing blew up. There was a game plan in place after 2025 season in which there could be an amalgamation, there could be a merger, there could be dissolvement of the Mountain West and everybody could wind up going to the Pac-2 or there'll be a buyout involving the top six. I think a bunch of these schools are going to wind up going there, but it's not going to be what it used to be. It's not going to be the Pac-8. It's not going to be what the Pac-10 was. It's not obviously not going to be the Pac-12, but uh, th- this has just been chaotic in college athletics. I, I feel terrible for the people in Corvallis and in Pullman at Oregon State and Washington State because their future is so cloudy right now. And I mean, they're swimming upstream financially to try to keep their heads above water till they can find a way to regrow, rebrand, 
the Pac-2 into something different. It'll probably be an eight-team conference at the end of 2025. And some of these schools here probably will wind up there. Well, it's we've been following this drama all year. And there's been all these different developments, teams going to the Big Ten, Big 12, yada, yada. But remember the um, the president of San Diego State, De La Torre, kind of almost assumed that they were going to be going to the Pac-12 and said, see you later to the to the Mountain West. I mean, what kind of an idiotic comment is that? Well, I thought the whole leadership thing was hugely questionable out of her office, not John David Wicker, but out of, out of her office. But then, then, then you've got the unmitigated greed of USC, UCLA, what they did in the dark without telling any of the fellow presidents what was happening. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot of issues. And then the others panicked. And the new commissioner, George Kliakoff, who had promised to bring them gold, instead delivered an empty soap dish, and this is your new TV <laughs> contract. And, and then all of a sudden, Oregon and Washington said, no, we're leaving. And then the corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, they left too. So it's it's just been chaotic. I think there'll be law and order within a year at the NCAA level. Um, they're trying really hard to get this deal done with Congress to give the NCAA an antitrust exemption, which will allow them to take ownership and control the transfer portal and the NILs. It's going to be very complicated to put all these pieces in place. But I think a year from tonight, when we're doing this podcast, the whole landscape will change. But the damage is done. Conference of Championship Champions has died. Now, I'd, I'm forever offended because I think the, the Pac-10, Pac-12 has meant so much for generations upon generations of fans and athletes. It's it's gone. And I don't think we'll ever revisit it. Even if you bring San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, and these other guys, it's just never going to be the same. No, it won't. I mean, you can even go back to the Pac-8, yes. you know, before they added the Arizona schools. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame it's an end of a tradition. Um, but I, I just hopeful that San Diego State and maybe some other good group of fives get an opportunity to play with the big boys because they seem to always be kept at arm's distance. Well, if we get some economic sanity, it will allow the Boises and the Aztecs and the others to play at that next level if it's economic sanity. Right now, we don't don't have that at all. Hey, listen, program reminder, we're on the air for all of our new viewers, 1 o'clock Pacific on Monday, 1 o'clock Pacific on Thursdays. We invite you to join us on a regular basis. Subscribe so you get all the alerts when we put something up on our YouTube channel. And don't bitch if you get a ding-ding at 2 o'clock in the morning because <laughs> we do post stuff at different hours of the day. But tell your friends what we're doing. Check my website. It's all written. We hope you become a regular and just be part of our insiders group also. Hacksaw's podcast is brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. We all will need help with our eyesight down road. If you're here, think about North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. And by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers. Hey, plain and simple, it's winter. Time to think doors, time to think windows, time to think heating bills at Dixie Line Lumber. John, deep breath. Get ready. AFC-NFC championship game. What a great sports weekend we have ahead of us. And then we'll be back here Monday to analyze it all. Yeah, go Niners. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Thanks for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.